You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning. It is Monday, April 26th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm very happy to be joined right now by Kevin Boylard, CBS Sports does NFL socials. Kevin, you do such a good job with the Instagram and the Twitter and the TikTok of the Pick 6 podcast. And you know more about the NFL than anybody I know. So when we have NFL things to talk about, I got to get you on. And and obviously it's draft week and I, I can just imagine you're counting down the days. I am, Trey, and thanks for having me back on. And you're right. I mean, draft season is exciting. It's a little bit of a slog to get here, but once you finally do and you can see the light at the end of the tunnel of all the mock drafts, uh, you're just excited to get it underway. I know. And I was thinking about like the first thing I wanted to to talk about was like for Thursday night, we're going to be all, really excited all day and the draft will finally get here. And Roger Goodell will go say the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock and they'll use their all whole allotted time to make sure that they're getting enough love from ESPN and, and NFL Network and you know getting some good PR for Trevor Lawrence. And then the Jets will probably do the same thing. And those picks we know already, it's, it's Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. So I think the draft starts at three. Can you explain to me why the 49ers are such a lock to take a quarterback when a year ago, two years ago, we thought they had their QB of the future and Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, that's the funniest thing about the 49ers is because they're the big mystery in terms of who they're going to pick, but we all know they're going to pick a quarterback. I think the trade up that they made was aggressive to the third overall pick that warrants a quarterback selection there. And also the way that they've talked about Jimmy Garoppolo, they've been very clear that he's their guy for this year. And after that, it's probably going to be whoever they pick at third overall in this draft. And you're right. That is when the draft starts. You think Jimmy G will still be the 49ers starting quarterback in 2021? I think he's going to get every opportunity to start for the 49ers this year. That's what they've said. I believe that they've been truthful in that. I mean, we've seen also in the past with the Josh Rosen situation where the Cardinals were calling him their guy, and then they went and got Kyler and traded Josh Rosen the next year. So it wouldn't be unprecedented for the 49ers to kind of go back on their word there. But I think that they do want to give Jimmy Garoppolo one more chance. I think they want to rehabilitate his draft or his trade value and then probably move him next offseason. So if they have the luxury of time, does that at all impact which QB they want to take? Like Trey Lance would be the project quarterback in this draft. And a guy like Mac Jones is maybe, or Justin Fields, if you can't have Lawrence or Zach Wilson, would be the plug and plays. Do you have any idea who the 49ers are going to take on Thursday? And then I would imagine you have your own opinion on who they should take. I definitely think that the 49ers have more flexibility than either the Jaguars or Jets who need someone to come in and start and be the face of the franchise right now. So that opens it up to any of the three. You mentioned Trey Lance. He's the biggest project. I don't know who the 49ers are going to pick, but the narrative around it is that it should be Justin Fields. The 49ers are wrong if they don't pick Justin Fields. And it's a laughable joke that Mac Jones is even being in the conversation for that pick, which I don't really understand when... Mac Jones, look at the year he just had. He started out by beating out a five-star freshman in Bryce Young, who no one thought he was going to beat to get the starting job. Then he has a 
better season statistically than Tua did while leading perhaps arguably the most dominant Alabama team of the Nick Saban era. And then he goes head to head with Justin Fields in the national championship and throws for over 400 yards and five touchdowns. And people are laughing that he's even in the conversation, I guess, because he has a dad bod and Mm. he was never really expected to be in the conversation at this point a year ago today. But if you look at what he did on the field, I mean, it's hard to argue with Mac Jones being in the conversation at least for pick three. And I guess just being the kind of guy who likes to be contrarian, I'm rooting for Mac Jones to be the pick now. You know, it's funny you say that. I kind of think they need to take Justin Fields at three, but I think I'm biased from just his time as a recruit. And I, like, I want us to, I want our rankings guys to have been right that he was the number two player in 2018. And, and obviously like they were right on Justin Fields. He'll be a top five or 10 pick. So good job team. But I think just like, I don't think we've seen the best of Justin Fields yet. I think there's still like a little bit left to go. And I, so I, to that end, I understand when people say, you know, he needs a a fixing here or a mechanical tweak there. I just think he's so good. I think he's got like a little baby Cam Newton to his game. Um, I know people are saying Trey Lance is is a great running threat too. I think Justin Fields gives you that strong arm, super tough. Like I I hate the, the, the pre-draft narratives that we've seen on Justin Fields. So I think they need to take Justin Fields. I think he's a better quarterback than Mac Jones, but I also understand that that's being colored by, you know, Mac Jones being a three-star recruit and Justin Fields being this, this all everything prospect. And then, you know, Justin Fields might not mind if he doesn't go third because, you know, his, his hometown Falcons pick fourth. When you get to five, I'm really intrigued by the Bengals here. What do you think Joe Burrow wants more? Kyle Pitts. His former college buddy, Jamar Chase, who he broke records with, or someone to actually protect him? Well, everyone is mocking Jamar Chase and kind of playing matchmaker with the former national championship duo, Burrow to Chase. I mean, it was a fantastic connection the last time we saw him on the field together. And that is actually the last time we've seen Jamar Chase on the field at all after opting out this past year. But honestly... I don't think Jamar Chase does you any good if in weeks 11, 12, 13, 14, Ryan Finley is throwing him the ball, which is what we saw this past year with Joe Burrow suffering a very serious knee injury in his rookie season. I think it's a no-brainer for the Bengals. You've got to go offensive line, and the best one available projected at number five will be Panay Sewell, the offensive tackle out of Oregon. Could the Bengals move down to do that? I mean, someone's going to move up for Kyle Pitts. It's possible. I think the Bengals are going to make the pick at five. The the interesting slot is four, where I think a trade could happen. I think there's a lot of people interested in whether it's Kyle Pitts or maybe jumping ahead of the Bengals to get Panay Sewell. I think that those three players that you named, uh, the Bengals are cool with taking any of those guys. Whoever's there, Panay Sewell, Jamar Chase, or Kyle Pitts. And I actually think you can make a better case for Kyle Pitts being a filling a bigger need than Jamar Chase does because they already have T Higgins and Tyler Boyd at wide receiver. When you look at the roster, they don't really have a standout tight end. So if you get Kyle Pitts with those two guys, Joe Burrow's got a nice little arsenal of weapons. The only problem is he's returning uh, one of the worst offensive lines in the in the league from last year. You're an NFL lifelong. You've probably studied drafts from the 80s. Can you believe that we're talking about a tight end in the top five? I can. It's a little weird, but also you got to look at Kyle Pitts. And I think the way NFL evaluators are looking at him is just he's a large receiver who is going to play potentially like a Calvin Johnson type role in an NFL offense. I don't think anyone is expecting him to be an inline blocker at the next level. And maybe that's just where those bodies exist now. I read the story from Chris Hummer this week on the slotification of the college receivers that are coming up and the size of some of these guys. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk a little Devonta Smith, but him coming in at 166 pounds. I mean, it is 
concerning, but at the same time, you look at the other receivers like, you know, Rondale Moore and, and some of the other top guys, Kadarius Tony, they're all undersized guys who are super fast. So now I just think that bigger body wide receiver is now a tight end and that's Kyle Pitts and he's the prototypical guy. And aren't NFL rules geared to kind of protect a receiver anyway? Like people are worried about Devontae Smith and his weight and just getting you know murdered in the slot by a, you know, on a crossing route by a safety. But I feel like across all levels of football, like those hits aren't really happening that much anymore. They're definitely trying to get them out of the game and the protection is, is improving. Helmet technology is improving. And I think that that is a part of the game that it will soon be a, a relic of the past, just the way the game is trending. And uh, yeah, you'll see more guys like Devonta Smith, that body type taking over that role. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. So you're a huge Giants fan. They keep getting mocked at number 11, taking Devonte Smith. It's a really interesting part of the draft to me because at number 12 is the Eagles NFC East rivals. A lot of people have them taking Jalen Waddle. Let's break down both of those picks potentially because they're huge Alabama names and then these are huge NFL teams that people are always interested in. Will you be celebrating if the G-men take Devontae Smith or will the weight concerns hold you back? I would be ecstatic to have Devonta Smith on my team if I'm any team across the league. It's very interesting that it could break down the way you described with Devonta Smith going 11 to the Giants and Jalen Waddle going 12 to the Eagles because Devonta Smith has been kind of mocked in that area, both to the Eagles and to the Giants. And following recent draft history, the Eagles have not been great drafting. Uh, they they passed on DK Metcalf. They passed on Justin Jefferson this past year to get uh, JJ Ortega-Whiteside. And then this past year, Jalen Rager. Now the jury's still out on how good Jalen Rager is, but Justin Jefferson just won the rookie of the year. So if it's Devonta Smith followed by Jalen Waddle, his former teammate at Alabama, those two are going to be inseparable for years in terms of comparing those two picks and who got the better receiver. And the narrative already is that the Eagles need to nail it. They need to get the right receiver. So if it's flipped and the, and the Giants end up stealing the better receiver by picking one spot ahead of them, and then we're going to look back at that trade because the Eagles traded back with the um, the Dolphins to get to 12 in the first place. So uh, I think that those two picks, if they're both receivers, are going to be inextricably linked for NFL history. So many Alabama connections too, because you think about Jalen Waddle going to the Eagles. I think that would make Jalen Hurts very happy. And I actually can't, Kevin, I'm, I'm kicking myself. I, I glossed over the Cowboys at 10 who are being linked to you know, Alabama's Patrick Sertan or, or J.C. Horn, the corner from South Carolina. And that could be the first defensive player taken um, in the entire draft at number 10, unless Jerry Jones is, I mean, I, I don't see it happening, but I also wouldn't be shocked if Jerry sometime this past month on his yacht decided he wanted the Heisman winner on his team or he wanted Jalen Waddell on his team too. So that's going to be very, very interesting. It, it is regarded as a, as a weak year for defensive players. So I, if he did that at 10, I, I guess, I guess I couldn't really blame him. Do you see a home you love for either of the two potential running back candidates to go in the first round. I think scouts are pretty split on Alabama's Najee Harris and Clemson's Travis Etienne. They're both awesome four-year players in college. I think they're both going to be good pros. Do you have a preference and, and where are they going in the mocks? I've seen Najee Harris go earlier than Travis Etienne in most drafts. And it's funny when you look at them, you mentioned they're both four-year guys, but so much when it comes to draft stock is momentum. And Travis Etienne, I felt like he had more momentum if he had come out last year. It was kind of surprising to see him return for his senior year at Clemson. And he would have been a lock first rounder, especially if you look at the other running backs. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was the only one who went in the first round last year, and he was the 32nd pick. And 
I think Travis Etienne is a far more complete back than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. This year, I think he's got a little bit tougher competition going up against Najee Harris, who I think is the most dynamic back and coming off a senior year where he was just explosive, 30 touchdowns, whereas Etienne saw his numbers dip a little bit. I think either one of them uh, would be best served going to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh just moved on from James Conner. They've been looking and fans have been fiending for wanting a uh, running back who can carry that offense the same way Le'Veon Bell did a few years back. And so I think if it's one of those two guys, and I've seen ETN lately getting mocked there more than Najee, I think that it's going to be an immediate love at first sight with the fans and uh, great potential because you're going to a good team that's been a contender for a while. Mike Tomlin just got an extension. He's never had a losing season. You're going to be a star at the next level. So if I were one of those two, I've got my fingers crossed that the Steelers pick me late in the first round. I think it's it's funny. They're each going to be like, if, if it is Najee, then ETN's of course going to be rooting for someone to draft Najee early and kick off that run of running backs. We saw it last year in the first few picks of the second round. You know, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, there was absolutely a run of backs. Do you think the Chiefs had any buyer's remorse with Edwards Alaire at 32? When that pick was made, we all loved it. And then on opening night against the Texans, we all loved it. Maybe he hit the rookie wall, but it seems like they sure could have used somebody else as the season wore on. And, you know, maybe I like a good running back, Kevin. You do too. But I think sometimes we get kind of drawn in by the allure of a Saquon or a Clyde Edwards Alaire, and they're really not plugging that many holes. There's no doubt about it. And hindsight is 2020. If you look at that Chiefs team this time last year, you're like, where did, what do they even need? You might as well just add another weapon out of the backfield for Patrick Mahomes. And that's why we all love the picks so much. By the time they got to the Super Bowl and we saw how decimated their offensive line was. Now, maybe they should have taken an offensive lineman with that pick. Uh, would have helped their depth certainly down the stretch. However, like I said, hindsight is 2020. I, I wouldn't tell them not to take a running back if that's the guy that would have been the most useful, which early in the season he was. It's hard to predict what you're going to need, you know, 20 weeks later. On those lines, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending champs, they return just about everybody. But picking 32nd, do they go luxury? Do they learn from the Chiefs and just keep stockpiling the offensive line or the you know, edge depth? What do you think they do? You know, that's funny because the Bucs kind of feel like that team that the Chiefs were last year, where I've seen Travis Etienne or Najee Harris being mocked to him just at the end of the first round, kind of almost like, what else do they need? I would think that they go on the offensive side of the ball. That defense was stacked last year. So maybe some offensive line depth, maybe another tight end. Gronk's not going to be around for forever. So I don't know who the exact pick will be, but uh, I think that they do have some flexibility to go luxury there. little rapid fire here, Kev, then we'll let you go. Which quarterback is going to have the best rookie season based on what what home you think they're they're, going to land on? I think that... Oh, man, that's tough because if there's a quarterback who falls to the end of the first round, it could be him, you know, because he'll be in the best run team, most likely. Uh, But I think Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he's a sure bet. He's going to a team that's going to be built around him. Uh, Urban Meyer is coming in with fresh ideas. I I don't see how they're not an eight and eight team or better in his rookie season. What is Zach Wilson's short-term prognosis with the Jets? I had you on a few months ago because all these college football fans were worried about the Jets ruining Trevor Lawrence. We've moved on from that. The Jaguars are going to get him, and we're all kind of realizing the Jags have a lot of cap space, and they actually have some good players. Are the Jets in a similar situation where they might not be as bad as we thought they were, and they just needed a good QB to put them over the edge, or are we going to have some growing pains here? 
I don't know how the Jets are going to be this year. And and a lot of those, like the Jamal Adams trade, the Sam Darnold trade, you know, the, the picks that they've reaped in a lot of the trades that they've done since GM Joe Douglas took over a couple of years ago uh, have still yet to be made. So I think it's going to be a young team. I think the jury's out. They apparently love Zach Wilson. We'll see. I, I'm not su- super sold on him. He could be the bust of this draft class. I, I think he's boom or bust, to be honest. And uh We'll see how he goes. I think he's got. A, I think he's got a little bit of a rough outing ahead of him. At least he has a pretty good left tackle in Mackay Beckton. Yeah, I think a lot of these QBs have have at least enough of a bust probability or factor. Like the Mac Jones, the elite athleticism, it's lacking. Justin Fields, you know what everyone else is saying. Whatever. I don't know how you feel about that. It's lacking. Zach Wilson, it's the competition. Trey Lance, it's the it's a limited sample size. As we wrap up here, wrap up talking QBs. I got to ask you. I'm kind of tantalized by the idea of the Patriots maybe trading up and taking one of these college star quarterbacks. Do you think it happens? Well, I don't know if they'll necessarily need to trade up. It depends on how the rest of the teams view Trey Lance. I think he has the one with the most potential to kind of fall out of the top 10. And uh, I could see them just getting Trey Lance at 15 and you don't need to start him right away. Who better to learn from than Cam Newton? You know, the similar types, similar builds. I think that Trey Lance landing in New England with Bill Belichick could be, you know, setting up uh, the Patriots dynasty part two if he's everything he's cracked up to be. It should be a really fun draft. The hope the next few days go by quick. Thursday, one of the best days of the year. I think you and I both agree on that. I'm excited to see the smoke screens that will begin to emit in the next few days. I would imagine they're Mac Jones or Justin Fields related by somebody in the top five. And then, and then of course, there will be surprises on Thursday night. I don't even know if the Seahawks have a first round pick, but you can like go ahead and pencil them in taking some obscure defender from the big 12 who like will probably never turn into anything, but Oh, and then the Raiders will man Raiders have plenty of good candidates from Alabama to pick this year. So we'll see what they do. Kevin Boyler. Thank you for joining us. Follow him on Twitter at Kevin Boyler. He's great. Kevin, who is this on your avatar? This who is number 16? That's Len Dawson, but he's sitting in place of Dr. Manhattan from the Watchmen. I should have known that. All right. Maybe our producer, Lance Glenn does. Lance, thanks for putting this together. My name is Trey Scott. We're going to have a full week of NFL draft coverage here on the College Football Daily. If you're interested in spring football games, probably chime in on those too, but I think it's draft week. I think everyone's ready to lock into that. We'll talk to you on Tuesday.